Second dose COVID vaccination began on Wednesday for children aged 5 to 11. In New Taipei's Linko District, one elementary school opened a vaccination station for some 400 eligible children. According to the CECC's latest guidelines, young children can receive a second shot if they had had their first dose at least four weeks prior. The child lets out a shriek upon seeing the needle. She rides in her mother's lap to get away. Medical staff and volunteers try to comfort the girl as other children wait in line for their second COVID vaccine. Second dose vaccination is now underway at schools. For children aged 5 to 11, the recommended dosing interval was recently shortened from 12 to 4 weeks. On Wednesday, many eligible children turned out for on-campus vaccination. It's impossible not to be worried. I've been worrying since I filled out the vaccine willingness survey. Now that he's gotten the vaccine, we just have to accept that it's happened and monitor him afterward. Parents say they fear adverse reactions, but fear serious COVID illness even more. At Xingling Elementary School, the principal says that Pfizer has proven more popular than Moderna among parents. Today, we're administering 46 doses of Moderna and 488 doses of Pfizer for a total of 534 doses. Our overall vaccination rate is 53.24%. What we're hearing from parents, what they're telling us, is that they'd like for their children to be vaccinated sooner rather than later because summer vacation is coming up and the children can't stand being cooped up any longer. So parents want to get the kids vaccinated as soon as possible to give them protection and to prevent moderate to severe illness. School administrators hope that as more kids get vaccinated, there will be fewer class disruptions due to COVID. With the summer break approaching, parents are advised to get their children fully vaccinated. The CECC reported 171 COVID-related deaths on Wednesday. One involved a four-year-old girl who developed hemorrhagic pneumonia last Friday and died the same day. Another involved a 19-year-old who also died last Friday. Although he had contracted COVID-19, his main cause of death was ruled as spontaneous cerebral hemorrhage and septicemia. Let's hear from the CECC. We analyzed that among the 171 deaths, 92 percent, or 158 people, had pre-existing chronic conditions or serious diseases such as cancer. Another 65 percent, or 111 people, had not received three doses of the vaccine, and 53 percent, or 90 people, were over the age of 80. Also on Wednesday, the CECC reported 52,246 local cases, a slight decrease from the day before. The CECC said that the epidemic is slowing and that the daily case count should soon fall below 50,000. A new exhibition explores the mystery of the nose and its role in fending off disease. Organized by the Taiwan Rhinology Society, the exhibit takes visitors on a deep dive into the nasal cavity by way of immersive animations. Organizers hope the show will build public awareness of the viruses that live in the nose and of how to prevent respiratory disease. The show opens in Kaohsiung tomorrow and will last until Sunday. 
浓密的鼻毛像是一张张过滤网，为我们阻挡空气中多数的灰尘、病菌。Through this immersive animation, we dive deep into the world of the nasal cavity, the first line of defense in the human respiratory tract. Doctors say that many viruses and bacteria can lurk inside the nose. 鼻咽部呢是一个很特别的地方。The nasal pharynx is a very unique place. The structure happens to turn at an angle, and it's a relatively large space. So lots of bacteria and viruses linger there and wait to infect us or be restrained by the body's immune system. The Taiwan Rhinology Society is holding a traveling exhibition that explores the inner structure of the nose. Visitors not only get a better understanding of the nose, but get answers to their questions about the respiratory system. Generally speaking, the nose covers the distance from the nostril to the nasopharynx. We need to go back about seven centimeters to reach the back of the nostril. If we need to reach the nasopharynx, that's another one to two centimeters, about nine centimeters in total. That's the main reason the cotton swabs we use for collecting samples are so long. Doctors say that prevention will be key in the post-pandemic era. Besides preventing COVID-19, people should also beware the threat of pneumococcal disease. For high-risk groups in particular, it won't be enough to vaccinate against just one disease. Second-generation vaccines are actually very effective against Omicron. In addition, you should get the vaccines offered at the end of the year because you'll only see results after you get all your respiratory vaccines, such as those for flu, pneumococcal disease, even whooping cough. If it's a respiratory pathogen, you should get the vaccine for it. Fearing a new viral wave this fall, doctors advise vaccination for the flu and pneumococcal disease to lower the risk of severe illness and death. There's just five months to go before the year-end local elections. On Wednesday, the DPP finalized its candidates for three key mayoral races. DPP legislator Cai Shiying will run for mayor of Jilong, and Xinzhu City Mayor Lin Zhijian will run for mayor of Taoyuan. Lin's current deputy Shen Huihong will run, will stay in Xinzhu and run for city's mayor. The DPP Central Executive Committee has approved the nominations of three mayoral candidates: lawmaker Cai Shiying for Jilong, Xinzhu City Mayor Lin Zhijian for Taoyuan, and Lin's deputy Shen Huihong for Xinzhu City. Lin, who's contracted COVID, attended the committee's Wednesday meeting via teleconference. President Tsai Ing-wen presided in her capacity as party chairwoman. We have legislator Tsai Shiying, as well as Lin Huihong, Deputy Mayor Shen Huihong. She's been a superb deputy for Lin Zhijian. The two of them are five staff. Five staff, no, five star local officials. The president caught her own slips of the tongue before pressing ahead to her vision for the election. Xinzhu has been making progress. We will not backtrack on that progress. We can't afford to backtrack. We've built a good name in local governance, restoring pride to local residents, and we must continue that work. Now is the time for us to draw up a roadmap for the next eight years. Tsai urged the candidates to advance the DPP's reputation in local governance. 特别感谢郑运鹏委员、郑宝清委员、黄世卓委员。I want to give a special thanks to lawmakers and former lawmakers, including Zhang Yunpeng, Chen Boqing, David Huang, and Peng Shaojin. I will prepare to go to Taoyuan as soon as I can to consult with you. 
Only by standing united can we win this election. The year-end election in Taoyuan is not a battle between blue and green. Rather, it's a fight to keep Taoyuan on the path of progress. Our administrative team has created a Xinju experience that must not be interrupted. I am the candidate most familiar with and most suited to the job, the most professional candidate for the mayoral post. Keelung can't go back to what it was. The newly transformed Keelung must not bring back the politicians of the past. The KMT once installed a barely passable mayor in Keelung, and now it's nominated a candidate who was rejected and put on notice as a lawmaker eight years ago. This shows that the KMT is still living in the past. It's unable to meet the expectations of Keelung's people. The candidates said they were ready to fight hard to hold on to their constituencies for the DPP. Taiwan stocks fell on Wednesday despite an overnight rally on Wall Street. The Taiex lost 2.42% to end at 15,347 points, its lowest point in one and a half years. Turnover was thin at 278.5 billion NT, with institutional investors dumping a net 21.5 billion NT. Heavy selling hit chipmaker TSMC, sending it below 500 NT a share. UMC plunged after going ex-dividend, closing down 4.75%. Shipping stocks also took a beating, with Yangming and Evergreen Marine losing more than 7%. China sent 29 military aircraft into Taiwan's air defense zone on Tuesday, marking the third largest incursion so far this year. The sortie included an aerial refueling plane that could extend the range of Chinese bombers. Scholars said the incursion was a message to Washington, a warning that China could reach U.S. bases along the second island chain. Amid continued Chinese posturing, the U.S. has reiterated the importance of peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait. At a press briefing Tuesday, U.S. State Department spokesman Ned Price said the U.S. would continue to transit the Taiwan Strait, emphasizing that it was an international waterway. Beijing recently made the assertion that it had sovereign and administrative rights to the Taiwan Strait. China continued its campaign of harassment on Tuesday, sending 29 military aircraft into Taiwan's air defense zone. It was the third largest intrusion so far this year. Besides the usual Shanxi Y-8 electronic warfare and surveillance aircraft, anti-submarine aircraft, bombers and Shenyang fighter jets, a Y-20 aerial refueling plane was also detected. It was a clear escalation in Chinese coercion. The large aerial refueling plane that was dispatched can extend the range of the Xi'an H-6 bombers. China is showing the U.S. that it's capable of attacking bases along the second island chain, including Guam. This sortie was a response to recent U.S. military exercises, including aerospace exercises. Taiwan Strait is an international waterway. Uh, we're concerned by China's aggressive rhetoric. It's increasing pressure and intimidation regarding Taiwan, and will continue, as we've said before, to fly, to sail, and to operate wherever international law allows, and that includes transiting through the tribe of Taiwan Strait. 
With China ramping up the pressure, the U.S. Department of State declared once again that the Taiwan Strait was an international waterway. In a recent op-ed, China expert Joseph Bosco said Beijing was conflating the differences in its One China principle and the U.S.'s One China policy. The U.S. recognizes the PRC as the only government of China, but maintains that Taiwan's international status is undetermined, Bosco wrote. Now that China has claimed sovereignty over the Taiwan Strait, Bosco says Washington should declare a One China, One Taiwan policy and station U.S. troops in Taiwan. China has already moved toward a position of strategic clarity, so U.S. political circles are calling for adjustments to the One China policy. There's even stronger support for the diplomatic recognition of Taiwan. This is important not just for Taiwan's own security, but also for regional security and even U.S. national missile defense. According to the analyst, Beijing's recent posturing has forced Washington to adjust its China policy. He says that given more provocation, the U.S. may abandon its current One China policy altogether. Premier Xu Zhenchang strapped on an apron today to fry up some Taiwanese grouper. At a professional event, promotional event for the fish, he condemned China for halting grouper imports from Taiwan in the latest string of trade suspensions. Su reiterated that China had violated international trade rules. He said China's allegations of toxins in the fish were unfounded, as all grouper examined by Taiwanese authorities had passed inspections. Oh, yeah. oh. Dressed in an apron, Premier Su Chang is a chef's assistant for the day. He shows off his skills, giving the fish a light flip in the pan. In less than 10 minutes, an Italian-style grouper entree is served. Following China's ban on Taiwan grouper, more than 500 tons of the fish have been ordered by Taiwanese businesses. On Wednesday, Premier Su hailed the businesses for supporting local fish. Today, I would like to express my special thanks to convenience stores and chain stores across the country, including grocery stores. Everyone is working together to bolster sales. From Adamoya to Grouper, China has banned many agricultural products from Taiwan over the past few years. China has arrogantly and abruptly violated the conventions of international trade, saying that our products fell short of their standards. In our own inspections, we found that our products fully complied with the standards. We want China to make decisions based on scientific evidence. Everyone should abide by international trade practices. That's the reasonable way to do it. Also on Wednesday, President Tsai Ing-wen attended the opening of the Food Taipei trade show. In her address, she broached the issue of China's grouper ban. Recently, China made the unilateral move of suspending grouper imports from Taiwan. Many nations with whom Taiwan shares the values of democracy have come forward to support Taiwanese aquaculture. For example, a fish farmer in Fukushima, Japan, has said that he will show his support for Taiwan by eating its freedom. Tsai expressed thanks to a Japanese entrepreneur who pledged to support Taiwan Grouper in its hour of need.
Taiwan's top envoy to the U.S., Shelby Kim, recently had a special guest over for dinner. U.S. basketball star Ennis Cantor Freedom shared a meal with her and two Taiwan lawmakers at the Twin Oaks Estate in Washington. On social media, Freedom shared a video of their meeting and revealed that he may visit Taiwan at the end of the year. My message to beautiful people of Taiwan is uh, thank you for everything. Thank you for standing with me and standing for freedom. And I'm really looking forward to coming and visit you in beginning of November, I hope. Um, you know, we're going to have so much fun. We have a lot of surprises for you. Freedom, a naturalized U.S. citizen born to Turkish parents, is a long-standing human rights advocate. He's spoken out before over rights violations in Tibet and Xinjiang. He's also voiced strong support for Taiwan. In January, he posted a video commenting Taiwan for standing strong against Beijing. It's the end of the school year again. In Jiayi County, one elementary school just held a graduation ceremony on a whole new level. Kids at Buxing Elementary had to complete an ocean triathlon to take home their laurels. It included sailing, canoeing, and even a beach cleanup. After a tough couple of years with COVID, teachers and parents say this was the perfect way to celebrate the children's resilience. A little boy floats into the sky and circles gracefully, powered by jets of water. In his hand, the school flag. This is the ocean graduation ceremony at Buxing Elementary in Jiayi County. As well as trying the water-powered flyboard, the elementary school graduates get dropped off at the Waisanding Sandbar for an exotic three-part graduation test. First, a beach cleanup, followed by canoe class, and finally, a run with the children's sailing dinghy, the Optimist. Only those who complete all three tasks are awarded the Ocean Graduation Certificate. Here at Number 3 Fishing Harbor, We've been running these special classes in canoeing and sailing the Optimist for a long time. The Community Flyboard Association sponsored us to have this unique flyboard experience, making the graduation even more exciting for the children. Buxing Elementary sits on coastal reclaimed land. Its curriculum is designed to nurture students who are thoroughly at home with the water. Its original plans for an ocean graduation last year were scuppered by COVID. This year, 14 of the school's 25 graduates registered for the Ocean Day, and all of them passed the test, taking their certificate home. They couldn't attend class in person during the pandemic, and lots of events were canceled. So we're using the occasion of their graduation to give them an experience of a kind of triathlon. This is definitely a triathlon to remember. Lots of kids who graduated online might feel a bit jealous watching this ceremony. But as summer kicks in, there are plenty of chances for everyone to get out and about in Taiwan's wonderful waters. Doctors Without Borders, MSF, is an international humanitarian medical NGO from France that serves in conflict zones and in countries affected by endemic diseases. A new exhibition titled People on the Move, which documents those touched by MSF's work, has opened in Taipei. Through a series of photos and audio clips captured by frontline workers, the exhibition aims to tell the stories of refugees from different parts of the world. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang takes us in for a preview. 
If you only had 30 seconds to decide what five items you would want to bring, what would you bring? Medicine and my mobile phone. Water is a must. Also shoes. After all, life is hard on the road. Finally, a flashlight is very important because not every place will have lights or electrical appliances. This is an exhibition by Doctors Without Borders Taiwan. The exhibition documents the lives of refugees on the move. The exhibition features photos, film testimonies, and audio recordings for visitors to better understand the everyday lives of refugees from Ukraine, Rohingya, South America, and elsewhere. So in this exhibition, what we want to highlight is a story and the experience of refugees has to go through when they are fleeing from home. It could be within their country or outside of their country. So you will see there is one moment where we are asking uh, people to, to take 30 seconds to see what will you take when you flee because sometimes fleeing from home is a very, very quick decision. You have two, three minutes to flee, so what do you take? And we are also sharing their story, what they want to say, because we should not forget, we see a lot of numbers, but we should not forget that refugees and migrants are people first with life and stories. Over the past 50 years, Doctors Without Borders has been serving in conflict zones and in countries affected by endemic diseases. They provide emergency humanitarian assistance for refugees in different corners of the world. Through their work, they provide those in need with medical treatment and vaccinations, counseling, shelter, drinking water, and sanitary facilities. Today, refugees face an extra layers of struggles due to COVID-19. Uh, during the pandemic, some governments and places even close even more the borders. So how can you flee when borders are closed? Um, and an extra part is because of COVID-19, some supplies couldn't reach some essential medical services. So uh, measles vaccination was more difficult. Giving birth was more difficult. Through the exhibition, organizers hope visitors can understand the struggles of refugees and also see their perseverance. The exhibition is open to the public at the Huashan 1914 Creative Park until June 26th. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Lee Hunt in Taipei.